Hi, I'm Sandra. This is a show of conversations about motherhood, parenting, and all the good stuff we call life. Follow me as I spread mommy joy and share my stories. This is a different kind of mommy. Welcome back to A Different Kind of Mommy. Thank you guys so much for joining me again and tuning in to this episode. Today's episode is about mothering via healthcare. I have a special guest of mine who's a really good friend. Hey, Monica. Hello. I'm so happy to get to do this with you. Yes, I'm super excited. And you've been around for a few recordings. So yes, you know how yes. I've been holding Summer down in the background <laughs> trying to shush her. <laughs> So this is a special episode for me because you're my first guest who is not a mom. I know. I know. I'm super excited by that. I'm like, I love being the first for yes. something. So I'm like, yes. I'm happy about it too. And why I'm happy is because this topic, even though you're not a mom, you're the best person to talk about this topic, right? You're always around children. Yes. So it's like you're a mom kind of. Um, I'm a, a mom from afar. From afar. <laughs> voted in. Yes. You're voted in. Plus, you're so good with the kids, so it's kind of like it comes natural about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into today's topic, um, what's up? It's Sunday. I, we're <laughs> recording on a Sunday. Yes. How was your weekend? Weekend was really great. Um, Just got to spend some good times with friends and family again and playing with the kids (laughs) yesterday and (laughs) probably going to play with Summer a little bit when she gets up. So, so yeah. So it's just been a good slow weekend, which I needed. I've been some busy weekends in there. And because we've had the rain, so it seems like we're kind of all stationary. Yeah. Which I actually kind of enjoy because when it's, when it's nice out, then I feel like I need to be outside. Yeah. So now. No, well, I do feel like it's, it's something to be said about like the sun you know when it's the sun and the heat you want to go yeah. outside and what is it about like the gloom that makes you want to stay in and kind of well, shelter it's cold and it's yeah. wet and it's damp and it's like no i just need to be inside where i can just cuddle up with i had some tea earlier I was everything watching feels like stuff. a production yes so I feel like when I'm getting out of car, I'm stepping in the puddle. I'm yes. stepping in mud. It's just like, Yeah, oh your my shoes are God. getting dirty, and then your pants are dirty, and then your, your shirt gets wet somehow. You're just like, I just need to be inside. Like, why am I out You're here like, right my now? My hair is wet. Where's my umbrella? My <laughs> right. coat is wet. Everything is just so uncomfortable. But people love... There's a lot of people who love this rain yeah. and power to you. Yeah, not it's not for me. I'm a summer girl. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yes. I'm with you. And I want to be outside. There's something about it that even though... It's cool to kind of be in the house. I get like cabin fever after one day and I'm like, oh my God, I want to go outside. Yeah. Usually by the end of the weekend, I'm ready to be like back outside. Like by Sunday evening, I'm like, okay, I spent all weekend inside. I need to do something. Or even like my Sunday, I'll start rethinking, oh, maybe we should just go outside, run everywhere. I've done that. I've done that. It's like three o'clock and I'm like, all right, Grover, let's go on a hike. Let's go do something. Let's just get outside because I just, (laughs) I can't be in here anymore. Yep. So we're like in that way. So why don't you give the listeners a little bit of an introduction of yourself? Who are you? So my name is Monica Arsenal. I was born and raised in Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. I am currently a registered nurse at UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital in Oakland, a.k.a. Children's Hospital if you were born and raised here. Okay. Um, I've worked there for about four years now. Prior to that, I actually did adult care and I worked in the HIV infectious disease area, and I did that for about seven and a half years. Mm, mm. 
So. so a lot of time with kids. A lot, yeah. A lot of times working with adult kids and then now currently working with, with, kids. with kids from ages like zero to age 21. Okay. So, yeah. so let's dive into your health profession. So I really want to talk about mothering via healthcare because I feel like as a mother and you as a healthcare profession, we cross paths so much so often. <laughs> right. And it's great to hear the perspective of someone who is in that profession and also who doesn't have that have kids right, right to right. give us insights of right. <laughs> how it looks the other way around right so talk to us about what is your occupation and in layman's term really what do you do right so i work in there's so many different departments but i actually work in an outpatient setting and i work in physical medicine and rehabilitation and what that basically means is that i take care of kids who have long-term disabilities mm. so kids who have spina bifida kids who suffer from cerebral palsy kids who might have traumatic brain injuries Why do I, feel like I, I didn't know that like <laughs> how did you not know that what did you think i did all day <laughs> Just, I just go to work and play with kids. That's what I usually tell people. But I actually do have a legitimate so, job. For the listeners, Monica is like, you know, when you have that friend who is a professional. So like you're our nurse friend, right? Yes. We call you for any kind of ailment. Oh, yeah. Any, anything. Anything. I thought you were like, seriously, I thought you were like, oh, this is news to me. <laughs> this is bad. We need to talk more. I thought you were like a day-to-day nurse. Like, I, I don't know what day-to-day nurses are. Oh, like I mean, a floor nurse. Yes, like a floor nurse. Yes, no, girl. So, I thought you was in there pushing your little car to do it. I, I had no idea. No, so I I had the opportunity to do that, but I chose to do the outpatient setting, like okay. the clinic setting, because I love the relationship I can get with my but, family. And I like that, but I didn't even know like the rehabilitation part. I yes. had no freaking idea. Yes, yes, yes. So I remember when you did the HIV stuff, and I remember that very vividly, like your path around that right right and so when you switched over to go to children's or benioff what it is now right i thought it was like being you know when we go into children's and it's like an emergency setting I thought, okay yeah girl i thought you was like in the er nurse like in, in so there, in for me setting. that is a very high stress area yes. for everyone anyone that's involved in that is very very especially at our hospital because we are what we call a trauma one or level one meaning that Pretty much any kid that you see that's on the news that's been in a bad accident, we get them. Okay. So you get kids that are really, really like hurt. And so it takes a certain kind of nurse to do that. Oh, yes. And it's just not Especially for me. kids. Yes. It's just, oh. Yeah. Bad. When I see kids hurt, it, it, I mean, it takes a toll. So for me, it was like, yes, I was given that opportunity, but I wanted to be able to have a good relationship with my families and with my kids. So I decided to do more of an outpatient okay. setting. Plus, I like the hours. Okay, good. You work Monday through Friday. You have you work basically like nine to five job. You have holidays off. And I'm, like I say, I'm an outdoorsy person. So it's like, I want that time to be able to Got go it. out and enjoy life. So you help build the relationship with these parents and you help assist in their rehabilitation or Right. So go? most of our kids that we work with have long, they're going to have this disability their Forever. whole life. Mm-hmm. So our goal is just to make sure that they have the best quality of life that we can get them. So we make sure that they have the best wheelchairs, the best braces, whatever it is that they need. We want to make sure that they have that. If they're in pain, we want to you know, mm-hmm. find medications that work for them, you know, so we want to just make sure that while they're here, while they're under our care, that they're just having a ball with life. And right, that's what right. we kind of do. And so they're with you kind of in your facility as a temporary base or is it? Yeah. So there's two parts to my department. There's an acute rehab setting for kids that were maybe in a car accident or maybe kids that, um, we get kids that have been hurt, you know, like let's say they're riding their bike and they fall. 
we get those kids and we help them on an inpatient uh, status and they can stay with us from anywhere from one week to several months. We've had kids that have stayed with us for six months and plus. Then they get discharged to my clinic where we'll continue to follow them and make sure that they're still doing okay, their medications are still working, um, that they're improving in their physical therapy and occupational therapy. So we kind of monitor that. Got it. And they come back and forth, right? Yeah. So we'll see them anywhere from like maybe once a month in the the beginning. And then sometimes there's kids that we only see once a year. Okay. And we see them all, you know. Do you ever go to them? No, they always come to us. We do have a department that does that, but I don't do it. Okay. And tell, what do you love most about your job? Just playing with the kids. Like when you go to work, like I tell people, you can't really be mad and you work with kids. Yes. Because they have the best smiles. They're going to laugh. They giggle. They, you know, there's kids. Oh, there's some that come in and you see their names on the schedule and you just know it's going to be a great Mm, day. And it's just like you. So I tell people all the time, my job is I go to work and I play with kids. Mm -hmm. Like that's what you do all day. Mm -hmm. So what's the toughest part? The toughest part is when you have a kid that comes in and they're in pain. And some of our kids can't verbalize that. Right. So you can see that they're in pain, but you don't know where the pain is and you don't know how to stop that pain. Mm. Yes. That's the hardest part. And when you see the parents, because they get very upset because it's like, this is my kid. And it's trying to calm down the yes. parent. Trying it's to trying to, yeah, it's trying to talk to the parent. Okay, what's going on? What did you notice that changed? And sometimes the parents can, they can pinpoint it. Oh, it was this or that. Or other parents, they're just like, I don't know. Yeah. And that's always hard when the kid can't verbalize what's going on and you know that there's something wrong. That's always just so hard for me to take. Yeah, that's rough. I can't imagine. Because like you said, nobody wants to... It's hard. Nobody wants to be around when that pain is is just so obvious, especially in little kids where you feel like it's just so helpless. And and if they can't articulate the pain, it's even worse. I know as a parent, right? Like sometimes our kid have a cold. Right. And it's like, oh my God, it's just horrible. So imagine, imagine, yeah, like we've had kids that have come in and their like hips have been dislocated. So imagine your kid, and you don't know this, like it's been dislocated for maybe weeks or sometimes even months and they're just in constant pain and you can't pinpoint it until someone says, well, let's go get an x-ray or let's do this or that. Or you, mo- you go to move their leg and they just like mm-hmm. yell out in pain mm-hmm. and you're just like, okay, like you, you know, you don't want to inflict that pain. So the fact that you did that, you're like, okay, we got to fix this. So how do you partner with parents then to ensure safety with their kids? Right? Because I feel like that's a great example. Like how, like, what if my daughter's hip was dislocated and right. I have no idea, like, and it's happened. We have a lot of parents that take on um, kids that are like the foster parents. Mm-hmm. That happens with a new kid. They come in. They're like, well, we don't know. The kid's been crying all night. We don't know why. So one of the things I do is I try to make sure I have a good relationship with the parents. Right. They know they can call or email me directly. They have like our contact number. Um, and then talking to the parents about what's the norm for their mm-hmm. child. Because we mm-hmm. only see the kid for a snippet. You know, yeah. we're going to see yeah. your kid for 45 minutes, maybe an hour and a half at the most. You're seeing your kid every day. So is this normal behavior for your kid? If it's not, then tell me why it's not. So then we can pinpoint when it started, why, and then we can fix the problem. How do you deal with like those irate parents? Because I feel like I've been in so many hospitals where you see so many people just going off on a healthcare professional. You're like, dude, that's not helping anybody. Right. It's not helping anyone. To me, there's the two types. There's one that's a parent that's being an advocate for your child. And you're saying, no, there's something wrong with my kid. You need to fix it. If you come in and you're like that, I'm on your, I'm on your team. Let's get this done. 
But if you come in and you feel entitled and you feel like, mm. oh, well, my child has private insurance or my child has this really? or that. Oh, it happens. Oh, that's right. So you think you think you yeah. got the PPO. Right. So you have the PPO. So you get you get to get Better bumped ahead. And it's HMOs. like, yes. no, that's that to me is when I get a little upset when you have that sense of entitlement of my child is better than this child. Interesting. That's when you, I've never yeah. looked at it like that, but right. I can see that in the healthcare profession. Right. And that happens. We've had parents call us when they're like, well, my child has we have private insurance. Therefore, they need to be seen right away. And you're like, well, what makes your child's ailment worse than this other kids? Yeah. You know, so that's when you'll kind of see me get a little flustered. But mm. if you come in and you're just mad because your child is hurt. I'm on your side. I, I don't take it personally. I think as a parent, the last thing I'm thinking about is our insurance oh, separation. It happens. It happens. Wow. We, yeah. That's and audacity. Yes. To move my child up because she has a PPO. Oh yeah. Wow. Yes. We've had it happen on several occasions to the point where the parent actually called the doc. They called, they spoke to me first and I was like, yeah, no, it's just not going to happen. Then they got in touch with the doc. And that's they, privilege. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's, yes. oh, yeah, that's you. Yes, that's So privilege. when that happens, it's sort of like when, you, you know, you still want to take care of the kid, of but you're just like, okay, mom, just go, just go away. Like you want to tell that to the mom, but you can't, you know, oh. that's when you get frustrated. Uh, can you give us some common cases that you normally see? In terms of like what, what I see on like a yeah. daily basis. Yeah. So again, we take care of kids who have spina bifida. Um, What's spinal bifida for someone who may not know? I know what it is. That's a very complicated, like there's a lot to it, but it's basically like a kid who has, so their spinal column, you know, there's bone that's surrounding the spinal column. So basically what happens is that there's spinal nerves within that column. And sometimes that column doesn't close all the way to protect the nerves. Um, So that's part of it. Also the nerve roots that within the column can also get um, connected. They can get like tethered together and it can cause a lot of like, Sometimes like bowel and bladder issues, sometimes walking issues, talking, uh, yeah, talking, developmental mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. So we try and catch that as early mm-hmm. as we can. And so are you the ones who diagnose it or this diagnosis is already made and clear by the time the kids come to you? Usually we're the, so usually what happens is that any kid that's born with spina bifida, let's say within the community, they get transferred to our hospital within the first couple of days. And we have an entire team of people that actually works with this kid. So we have a neurosurgery team that will assess and give that official, yep, we think this is spina bifida. We need to do something about it. And we also have our rehab docs as well that are like, okay, let's see what deficits this kid may have. Um, We have orthopedic surgeons that come in. So when this kid comes to our hospital, it is like a team effort. There's a lot of So it's intensive, right? Oh, yeah. It's like a... a, a, um a one-stop shop. So yes. all, all of the specialties are yes. here taking care of it. Yes. And it's not just for spinal bifida, right? So all of the same, you have the same specialties for like cerebral palsy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. And we actually have specialty clinics that we conduct once a month for kids who have cerebral palsy, kids who have spina bifida. And what happens is the parent comes to our clinic and then all the rest of those specialties come, come there. So they don't okay. have to make seven different appointments that all those appointments are done that same day. What kind of other diseases too? Are these are these really considered diseases or like disorders? Or? More of like a disorder. Okay. Um, so spina bifida is a big one. Cerebral palsy is a big one. Um, traumatic brain injuries okay. is one that we're seeing more and more. And that's being caused from kids not wearing their helmets. Oh, talk about this stuff, right? Yes. Because this is the safety of our kids, right? Yes. So I, for prime example, <clears throat> I took Summer to the dog park the other day and she wanted to go with her um, scooter, right? And I was like, against my better judgment to take this scooter, not because of health reasons, but because I know she's so slow and I'm trying to do what I got to do. But fine, I take her her to the dog park with the scooter and we're scooting our life away. 
And a mother comes up to me and goes, you know, she should really have a helmet. I hope I'm not, you know, I hope I'm not being dis- disrespectful, but I really think for her safety, she should have a helmet. And I was like, thank you. I didn't even think she needed a helmet on yes. a scooter. Like I think of helmet, I think of bicycles. Right. So this is what I, my rule of thumb is a helmet should be worn with anything that can go over like three or four miles an hour. This is good to know. Because think about it. Like this kid is going, if they lose control, it's not going to be this slow fall to the ground. They're going to fall, and most likely they're on concrete. If they're on a scooter, if they're on a bike, if they're on anything that can be self-propelled, even if it's not, even like on skis, snowboards, any time that they're going faster than they can run, if they fall and hit their head, they can cause damage. Literally, it had never dawned on me that, and she has a, she has a little tricycle. We all know it's not going anywhere. And she has a scooter and she has a helmet. It didn't even dawn on me to take that helmet. Yes. And when the lady told me, I was like, thank you. So I was just not aware. You know, somebody that's kind of like ignorance. I was just not aware. Girl, I was so embarrassed. I was like, somebody, you can't write this. <laughs> I said, like, you can't write this because people probably looking up and down here like, where's this right. kid's school? Well, I mean, the, the helmet. things have changed. I mean, growing up when I was a kid, we didn't really I wear helmets. I never owned a helmet Yeah, like life. we didn't really have helmets. Yes, and I've but always now, had bicycles. But now it's like... You have, it's like almost like if your kid doesn't have on a helmet, it's so like roller skating. Ro- helmet. Really? Yes. Skateboard. Helmet. Wow. Any, because think about it like this kid loses control. They're on a the skate, let's say they're skating and they hit us. To you, it might be a small hill. A to them, it's not. Yeah, they yeah. hit something and they fall over. They're going to hit their head. It's going to be on concrete. So then why shouldn't she have a helmet while she's running? <laughs> well, I'm so some... scared this girl going to kill her. You know me. Right. I'm always like, someone don't run. Someone don't run. I don't know why I'm so afraid that she's going to kill herself running. I don't know why. I almost feel like with running, though, they have a little bit more... Cushion? No, not even cushion, but more reaction time. Like, I feel like if she trips, she's going to kind of, like, be able to brace herself a little bit more. Mm. Whereas with your, if you're on something that's moving, if you, it, to me, it's more of you losing control of that versus like you just tripping and falling. If you're on a bicycle and you lose control, you're going to end up falling over to the side. You can't brace yourself and you're going to end up hitting your head. Same thing with like a, if you're on a scooter, you're going to end up falling over to the side and you're going to not be able to Bam. brace yourself. Right. Whereas this if you run. Good. These are good things for parents to know. Okay. Helmet. What else? What is some other like safety things? So what I are would you say seeing more of what we're seeing um, again in making sure your kid is properly in their car seat. Girl, that is a big one for us because especially now it's raining. It's, you know, people don't drive. Monica, can I tell you how many friends I have seen? Family members that I have seen who kids are not properly yes. in their car seat. Yes. And listen. We've all been first-time parents. That was me. I don't know shit about a car seat. What I know about a car seat is me seeing my sister and other people. You know who taught me about car seats? The fire department. Yes. That's because what, yes. I could not install my car seat. And the fire the fire people yes. install my car To this day, my sister will still say that she feels like summer is not tight enough in her car seat. And I'm kind of a stickler about that because my sister's kids' car seats are like, damn, you can see they belt print in their chest. <laughs> She's not that tight. But I see some people where they're like, you know, oh, spaghetti yes. straps coming I've off. seen kids get out of the car. Like they are, I'll be sitting there like talking to the kid and they're standing behind me. I'm like, okay, how did you get out of your car seat? And the parents are like, oh, it's fine. No, it's not. 
If your kid can get out of the car seat when it's stationary, they can get out when it moves. Yeah. Plus, that means that there's there's if you get in an accident, it's not going to protect the kid the way it's supposed to. Yeah. No, and don't be afraid to go. Like we actually have a person at our hospital that installs the car seats, and they'll tell people how to properly install them. But find out your local fire department, your local police department, and and let me tell you, it was. And I know we could go on and on about this car seat. This might be another topic, but for me. Um, when I got my car seat, it was, I took it from one car to another, right? And that's where for me, so for example, when we left the hospital, my brother-in-law installed it in the car, right? Not too long after whatever, I needed another car. So it had to come out that car to another car. And I had no idea how to tighten it, how to put it in prop. It was wiggled. When I tell you, I was like... This kid cannot be in this. She might as well sit in my lap. Yeah, it right. was bad. And so, sadly, I had to call around all over the place because there's only special people who know how to do this, even right. within these departments, right? And so, I couldn't find anybody. I literally had to go to the El Cerrito um, Fire Department and beg them. I had to beg them and I had to tell the fireman, please. Can somebody help me? Because my kid is literally in the thing. <laughs> you know what the first thing he told me? Not not even that the car seat wasn't in properly because I knew that. I This is why I'm coming to right. help. That he was like, your child should never be in a car seat with that big ass coat. Like he didn't say big oh, ass yes, coat. Yes, right? that, yes. But if he didn't tell me that, I would have never Peep, known yes. that. Yes. I would have never, ever known that. Yeah. I have learned that through like being in the environment that kids should not be because it, it it's not going to be tight enough it's on them so you should enough. take the the coat yeah. off and then when they get out of the car put the coat yeah. back on yeah he's also the one that taught me about the car seat because of my sister had always told me and and because of this assumption that the middle is the, always the safest he was like no Mm-mm. the safest in your car is whatever the manual says and he literally went through the manual with me yes. so he was like everybody thinks the middle is the safest and it, it always dawned on me like why is the middle the safest like there's nothing in front of it. Right, I don't right. know why the middle is the safest, but yeah, I get why people think that nothing in front of it makes it a little bit more safer. But actually, at the time that for my car, um, the car that I was moving it to was actually the middle, which was the safest, which right. is why I kept it there, right? But he, for example, like pulled up his own car for me as an example, and it showed him. And I forgot what car he had, but it said that behind a passenger was the safest. Yeah, my cars are behind. So I have um, a Jeep and I actually have my own car seat that I purchased because I have so many friends with kids. So mine and my Jeep, the safest place is behind the passenger. And it actually has like the anchor. Yes, the like like locks. Yes. yes. And then it also has one that you throw over the back. And so that's where they said the safest for mine is, is in the passenger side. So now that I have a different car. And she has a different car seat. She has a convertible car seat. She's right. older now. When I got that car, I looked at the manual. And indeed, that car, the safest, is behind the the passenger. Yeah. But when I tried to tell my sister this, she was like, no, safest is the middle. And I tried to tell her, no, your, your manual will say that. Nope, safest is the middle. But this is, you're right. Like, in... In trying to keep our children safe, right? You have to go these extra steps and how you position your kid. I even found out like from somebody else that when my daughter was in that convertible car seat, that she was at the borderline of the age and weight from when it should be reclined versus not reclined. Yes. And I was like, man. It's so much. Like even because I purchased my own car seat after like an incident where I had a friend that she let me borrow hers to take care of her son. 
And then I left it in my car. And then the next day, she had to take her son to school and he didn't have a car seat. So I was like, okay, I need to get my own. And I remember going down this rabbit hole of per, like trying to figure out which car seat is the best one. And I mean, it ranged from anywhere from $100 to the most expensive one was almost $1,000 yep. for a car seat. Yep. And I was like, what is this? So I went to work and I, again, we have a guy there that that's what he does. And I talked to him and he recommended, you know, one that he was like, oh, for you, you know, cause I'm going to use it a couple of times a year, you know? So he's like, you don't need to get this thousand dollar car, but you know, yeah. it's crazy. And they do so many different things, yeah. but it's like, when I went shopping for this car seat, it's, it was more stressful than the stroller. Right. And so for me, you have to do so much research because yes. there's so many people, crazy people on the road that will take your life in an instant. Yes. And if your kids are not properly installed, it's kind of like, I get scared to move that car seat around because I'm like, <laughs> this car seat is properly installed. <laughs> and so if she's going to get into some, God forbid, freakish accident, it's not because she wasn't safe inside right, it. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think the car seat one is one of the ones that I think a lot of people, they just assume they know, but it's like, you need to read the manual. Like your car seat comes with the manual as well. Make sure you're reading that. So you understand what you're doing and making sure you're doing it the proper way. And don't half-ass it. What no. I feel like I've noticed with people and maybe sometimes for myself, right? No judgment is that as our kids get older or if we're more in a rush, we're like, hurry up, quick, get in, snap, yep. stop, stop, hurry up, kind of, you know? And so, like, right now, Summer is at the age where she wants to buckle herself. No, sweetie, you buckle yourself, that's fine, I'm watching you, but I need to come and reinforce right. it. Like, I have friends that I see their kids getting car seats, and they're like, stop, stop, okay, you ready, let's go. And I'm like, oh, wait, you're not, you're not <laughs> you're gonna not check? check? Yeah, because I still do it. Like, I'll still, yeah. like, oh, no, no. You know, the kid can get in, you can buckle yourself, but if you're in my car, and my car, oh, I'm, no. gonna, I'm gonna take that extra time. And it's like, because I think part of it also is like, especially if you're like at a, let's say you're at a mall or something, and there's a car waiting you feel you feel that need to rush and i'm like wait a minute i was like first of all this is not my kid so i I gotta return the kid in the way i got the kid (laughs) so i can't go and be like oh i let your kid buckle themselves in and we end up getting hit no so it's like i'm gonna take that extra time and make sure that they're properly in that seat because i i just wow yeah okay so helmets car helmets car seats and then making sure if you have any big bulky furniture, making sure that that is strapped down mm. because kids climb. Oh, yes. They're going to climb. And now with like flat screen TVs, they're so light. Wow. So you're seeing a lot of injuries from this stuff too? It's, I was, I'm, what I'm seeing is just, I feel like uh, parents don't really understand like this flat screen TV, even though like, like mine's is not mounted on the wall. Mm-hmm. So a kid can come up and they can Touch just, it. you can pull, pull it. it down. They're yep. so light. Bookshelves too. Yeah. Bookshelves, making sure that those things are strapped properly into the mm. wall, taking the time to make sure that they're anchored into a wall because kids are going to want to yeah. explore. What about, what about like falls? Um, for me, one of the biggest things was the rolling off the bed. When summer fell off the bed of initial, I was just like, oh my God. Like, I know this happens to everybody. Right. My sister warned me this was going to happen. And when she fell off that bed, I was like, my kid, I got to go to ER. <laughs> like, I got to go. Like, it was just so traumatic for me. And so, w- what do we do? How do, what are some things that. Well, one, I would say if you can, like, I'm a proponent of having your kid to sleep in their own sort of yep. area. So, yep. I mean, one of the things is you can do co-sleeping where you yep. take like the crib and you connect it to yep. the bed. So that way, if they roll, they're going to hit the barrier of the crib. 
or maybe putting something down because yeah. they're going to roll and, and move all over. Um, jumping. Summer's at yes. an age where she's jumping on the bed and every day I'm like, if you think I'm frantic about her running, you should see me <laughs> on the bed. The bed freaks me out. Like, I just have visions of her killing herself on this bed. Yes. Well, I mean, with that, that's just a part of it. I would say if, if she's going to, well, don't encourage her to jump, but, you know, maybe put down some pillows yeah. or something. Ooh, to kind of I don't have carpet. Off. It's not like right. she has cushion. Yeah. What I would be more worried about, which we, we we don't see as much, but we're still seeing, is parents who either have the, in the kid's room, they leave the window open or they leave the window cracked and the kid will fall out. Wow. We still see that. Yeah, so that was like a big thing when I was growing up. Yes. You know, and we live in buildings growing exactly. up in Brooklyn. Kids fall, like if you didn't have the proper secure gates. Yeah, so um, that still happens and it's sort of like making sure that, because kids, again, they're going to go up, they, they want to see what's going on yeah. outside that window and they are That's climbers. So mm-hmm. making sure that that window is properly secure so that they can't, you know, like making sure that you know that a screen on the window is not going to protect your child yeah. from falling out yeah. of that window. It's funny that you say that because at, in our house, I know you haven't been there in a long time. Summer has a trampoline that she likes to jump on, a little portable trampoline, and it's in the living room now. And I pushed it against the, the wall. And now she likes to to stand on the trampoline while she looks out the window. And now I'm like, no, no, <laughs> that's not happening. So what I ended up doing was buying lock locks lock guards kind uh-huh. of for the window so because we have the vertical windows that move oh, left to right yes yes and so it's um is it vertical horizontal whatever Her- yeah horizontal, horizontal <laughs> right and so i have the lock so that it only like it's but so much so that she's not like yeah like because that's a, yeah that's easy you can just pull that open and yeah. then and we've yeah so we have that happen and it seems to always happen in like an apartment complex where there's limited space, so sometimes the only place to put the crib is maybe next yes, to a window, or you yeah. have like a piece of furniture that the kid crawls on to look yes. out the window because they hear a noise or they hear and they want to they want to explore. Yeah, they're natural explorers. So kids will be kids. It's they're just gonna be kids, be safe. right? Yeah. So just kind of making the house. You don't want to make it like too. You know, like you don't want to wrap it in bubble and wrap the kid in bubble wrap. But just knowing that especially during summertime that happens because you have the window open for ventilation. You're thinking, oh, there's a screen on here, but that screen is not going to protect, you know, the kid weighs 50 pounds. It's not going to hold the weight Mm -hmm. of the kid. Okay. So when, as your as a medical profession, what do you think are some of the, the times where parents must seek, you know, medical help? Well, what I will say is anytime your kid is doing something or, or they're acting in a way that is totally not them, so if this kid is crying for a long period of time and you're like, okay, they're an inconsolable, I can't fix this, what is going on? That's when I would say you need to start calling an advice nurse so you can kind of go through what's going on. Um, anytime your kid takes a nasty fall, they mm-hmm. fall, you know, kids, I've seen kids fall downstairs and not, kids are very resilient. Mm-hmm. I've seen kids mm-hmm. fall, we've had kids fall out of a two-story window and they're fine. Mm. They go into the hospital mm. for a couple of days and then it's like, okay, they see our PTOT and then the next day they're like, okay, they're fine. Mm. But still mm. making sure that you take them in if something has fallen on their head or if they've taken a fall and you're just like, okay, wait a minute. You know, if they lose consciousness at any point, you should definitely be going in. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I just can't imagine because for me, I'm always like, I've, I've really, I've really looked at myself as someone who like summer has taught me like a lot of calmness, right? Like I thought I would be more a frantic mom. Right. Even though I, I feel like you still, I'm still born, you have yeah, your no, moments. I have a lot of moments, right? <laughs> like I, yes, I have a lot of moments, but I feel 
I feel like they're, I'm really able to evaluate a situation with Summer, right? Where I'm saying, okay, I know in my head, I think I know when to really have like medical, medical right. help versus, okay, maybe let me, let me calm back down because I, I got some drama happening right now. I'm in my feelings. She fell. She about to get killed. Yeah, maybe she tripped, you know? Right. So I really do feel that, um, I know a lot of people who run to the emergency room for everything. Everything. And I'm not saying don't. like right, Because right, I have right. friends that say, should I go? And this is my advice that I tell all my friends. Whatever makes you feel better as the parent. Exactly. Nobody can tell you stop going. Nobody can right. tell you you didn't go enough. If you can't sleep at night, if that is weighing heavily it's, on your yes, brain, yes. you go get medical attention. Even if you have to go a thousand times. I tell this to my friends all the time. If your kid is sick, if you feel in your heart and soul that you cannot have settlement, go yes. and seek. Yes, because you're, you're the parent. You know your child. And, and sometimes you can't pinpoint it. But you know that there's something wrong. And if the docs are saying, no, you're just being overly dramatic, then that's when you need to go and say, you know what? I need another doc or I need another nurse because you do need to be heard. And, you know, again, we're only seeing your child for a snippet of that time. And usually like we have parents that come in and they'll say, oh, my kid was in pain this morning. And then the kid looks fine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we don't know what happened that morning. So Mm -hmm. that's when you need to make sure you're having a health professional that's listening to what you're saying. I want to talk a little bit about like that advocacy for our kids right because sometimes it's twofold right sometimes you feel like you might be the mom who's overly speaking up and then you're the mom who's kind of like i don't know how much to speak up right you know and so what do you feel like are some some good tips on how do we advocate for our children first i will say i never believe that a mom or a parent for that matter can be an can be over um, excited about their kid. Like I would rather you call me every day because you don't know what's going on. than you ignore something mm-hmm. for months and weeks and then it's way worse than it could have mm-hmm. been. So mm-hmm. like as a parent, like you, again, you know, your kid. So it's like, just go ahead and just, just call, call the advice nurse or take them into the pediatrician and making sure you have that good relationship so that the pediatrician doesn't think that you're just making everything yeah. up. Yeah. Um, but I would just more than anything, it's for me, it's like I don't take it personally mm-hmm. if a mom calls me three and four times a day or three or four times a week. To me, it's like you're being a good advocate for your child because your child cannot say what's really wrong. Right, right. You know, especially before they, they enter that school age, all they know is that something hurts. hurts. There's an owie somewhere. They don't feel good. Yes. They don't feel good. And even we can try. We can say, well, how much does it hurt? And they'll just say, I don't know. It hurts. Yeah. You know, or they're just crying and you can't figure out why. And that is like, that's when you need to just, it's okay to just, if you call me and you're yelling and you're like, I can't figure out what's wrong with this kid. I'm like, all right. True story. So I know this is nowhere near the kind of traumatic stress that you deal with in these injuries with these little kids. But um, a story, for example, of why I say this is because Summer was sick for like a week and she was still her regular playing self and at night she was spike a fever, right? And for and at the time I was looking at it, measuring, you know, doing the temperature, her fever was like 103, 104. I give her some Motrin or give her some Tylenol. It went away. She's fine. So I'm not much of a running to the emergency room unless I physically see like there's something Right, up. right. That happened for like a week. Every day going up 103, 104, all going up. And I'm like, oh, she's fine. I'm giving her meds. It goes away. It comes back. I'm like, what is happening? Now 
it's like day four and she's crying and I don't know why she's crying. Right. And I'm like, what's happening? The medicine is not working. The fever, the fever had gone up till 106. No, I have never heard of a 106 on a kid. That is what finally got me off the couch. A 106. Right. And I took her to the doctor and the doctor was like, she has a double ear infection. And the doctor was like, her ear infections are really, really bad. Right. It was bad to the point, I'm going to tell you how bad it was, that as a parent, I didn't even notice this, right? That she had her ears pierced and the infection was coming out of the oh, ear hole. Oh, no. This is, so people always ask me, what happened to her ear piercing, right? Because Summer's ears were pierced. Yeah. And so one day she had a bad ear infection and I guess the way it was trying to escape her body, it came through the piercing of her ear. Her ear had blew up so big. I did not even notice. We were literally in the emergency. I was in emergency room. I was in urgent care, which is a big difference, right? right. I was literally in urgent care. And, the, and the, the, the pediatrician was like, do you see her ear? And I was like, what do you mean? She literally like scooped her hair around her ear like that. And I was like, oh my God. She had like a Quasimodo ear. Oh, I had no. no idea. And I was like, it's a... She, and I told him, I'm here because her fever is 106. Every night is going up. And she was like, wait, her fever is 106? No doubt. She came, had the, had the technician girl um, check it. It was 105.8, right? And she was like, you should have been in here days ago. She was like, I don't want to tell you how important it is as a parent that fevers are yes fevers mean something and i was like i know but i figured that the and i was um this is true conversation right? right like i said i know but i'm giving her the meds and it was going away and i was like the reason why i'm here is because now she's crying and i have no idea what's happening she's like she has an ear infection her ear was so huge and i and i thought literally she was saying that it was like her hole was infected but in fact her ears inside were infected oh. both of them and that was something and so she literally had to like almost pry off the earring from her ah. ear yes no yes and so that was a huge lesson for me because i have learned thus far that summer is ear infection prone which are some right. kids right and so for me once she gets to that 101 right um if she starts borderlining that 101 to 102 for like two days, I have to take her in. Yes. I have to take her yeah. in. And so that's an example where I feel like I'm a laid back parent and I didn't get my ass up until 106. Right. Do you know how bad that's... I felt? Do you know how <sighs> shitless I felt that I did not even notice her? She bathes almost every night. She's with me almost right. every night. She's going to daycare. She was home. It was like I had no idea. No clue. Oh man, that is horrible. No clue. Yeah. Yes. Anytime you start seeing fever, that's when you need to, because the thing is medications work. So yeah, you're giving her the medication and it's doing its job is lowering the fever, but it's only doing it right. temporarily. And so uh, like what the, what the doctor had told me is that if the medicine that's supposed to work doesn't work and fix the problem right there. Right. She's like, like it's not like she's on a, a certain protocol, right? Right. It, like Tylenol, Motrin, like it's supposed to fix the problem and that it's done with. And she was like, and you're coming and she was like, if you have to take it two or three times, like right. a pain reliever, a fever reducer, she was like, that's a problem. That's an infection. That's something right. that that medicine is not, it's not working. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's wearing working. off. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so that's always, anytime you see a fever and if it's not going away, I would say in maybe like one or two doses, like a couple of doses, then that's when you need to think, think that there's something else that's going on. Yes. And yes. that's when, again, you can do an urgent care. You can call an advice nurse or if you have a pediatrician that you can get in contact with and let them know, okay, this is what's going on. What should I do? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's still like currently to this day, even a couple of months ago, like now I'm like, if she's crying there's a reason and it's most likely her ear infection. Right. I, I don't have meds for that at <laughs> right, all. Right, right, right. There's no Tylenol or Moshe sadly that can fix that. That I know I need antibiotics quick. And so we we had to even if the even if the fever isn't bad and I just speculate it's ear infection. So no doubt for me that right now that when I feel like she's sick and crying, I'm 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 heading to urgent care because right. I know it's an ear infection. Yeah. 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 What I would say is like if you can like try and get an appointment with your pediatrician. And I tried or, that yeah. too, and and that's the reason why I ended up in urgent care because they just don't have anybody yeah. available. Because yes. like the ED, I would say that I would say save the the ED for the extreme. Like if they take a nasty fall, because mm-hmm. again in the ED you have a lot of sick kids in there, and, and you don't want to expose your kid to that. Let's talk a little bit about that because for me. I have never taken summer to the actually emergency room. For us, it's always been urgent care. Right. And so um, I consider emergency room if it's like, yeah, like she's half dead. Like it's something serious. Right. I need to see a specialist, somebody right away. Right. But there are like urgent care things are like big and new now. There's a lot of people who don't have access to urgent exactly. care facilities. Yeah. And so they may have to go to an the ED. ER. Right. Yeah. So I would say my first line of defense would be to first call. Yeah. Like, Cause everyone call. should have an advice nurse. Yes. Line. An advice nurse. There's yeah. always, there should always be someone on call, like a pediatrician on call. So mm-hmm. I would say try and call, speak to someone first because it could be something that you can do over the phone. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna mm-hmm. say, Oh, just do X, Y, and Z. If it doesn't work. And by the next day, give me a call back. Then I would say your next step is to try and get in with your pediatrician. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work, try an urgent care. But again, not everyone has them. Mm-hmm. And then if you live in a smaller town where there's no urgent care, your pediatrician is only there Monday through Friday, then I would say your last resort would be go to the mm-hmm. emergency room. Got it. Be- yeah. Yeah. So after, because my doctor is also affiliate with the urgent care we automatically have to go and see her, the pediatrician, right. after we do the urgent care because she does like the follow-ups. She right, and that's how it should be. Like yes. with us, but when before our kids are even released, like if they go to the hospital for whatever reason, before they're released, we usually have an appointment scheduled with their mm-hmm. pediatrician and with any other specialties that mm-hmm. may have seen them while they were in the hospital. So that way you can make sure that they don't get lost mm-hmm. to follow-up or their, the medication or whatever was being prescribed is working for mm-hmm. that kid. Because you don't want to give them antibiotics and tell them to go home and it's not working. Yep. You and know? you should only take antibiotics for like a, a certain period yeah, of so time. If you, yeah. And yeah. that's very important. If your doctor tells you to take it for seven days, take it for the full seven days. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's going to start working in the first three to four. Yes. But take the full course. Yes. And then also what I would... And throw it away after. Yes. Why do we as parents... So there shouldn't be first of all there shouldn't be anything to throw away okay you're right right so i've had i've had instances where we've had liquids so there's been a little bit of liquids left over but i swear to you i am never gonna lie true story sometimes i hold on to that antibiotic like it's liquid gold like oh my god let me just hold it just in case something happens and she needs it and i look at that thing and i'm like no i mean that's no good to me 
if something right. else ha- when something else happens yeah. but yeah we we hold on to me- I, even adults right we hold on to medication and we say oh i'll use it for the next time right and i feel like as an adult i've held on to so many medications that i've tried to use for the next time and you don't think anything of it but as a child a baby throw that shit away and go and get some yes. more medicine <laughs> especially with your antibiotics like with antibiotics like one you should be taking the full course and once that course is done you want to throw it away because two, let's say you have a little bit left over. You can't start that. And what if you can't get in with your doctor and they are, they say this is the wrong antibiotic and you've already started your kid on this. Cause one of the big things that is happening now is that a lot of the bacteria is actually starting to become immune to the antibiotics because people have, they, they want to take them for colds. They want to take yeah. them for everything. All biotics even aren't built the same, right? No. Like sometimes people think, oh, amoxicillin is the same as penicillin is the same. As... No, 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 no. There's differences. There's, there's broad. There's, yeah. So there's, a, there's a whole spectrum <laughs> yes. of antibiotics and there's reasons why we use them. And yes, your doctor needs, you know, like your doctor should ex- be explaining to you why you're taking this. So you should not be taking it. On, or keeping it on the basis yeah. of I'm going to take this the next time this but happens. But that's good that you say you shouldn't have much left over. No. You shouldn't be. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. So for most of summer, she's maybe had like a tr- couple ounces yeah. left. Yeah. So it's I would say much. go yes. ahead. Just and get rid it. of it. Yes. Other medications like let's say your Tylenols or your ibuprofen, those you can keep um, past the expiration dates. To me, oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Expiration dates are a little bit arbitrary. I would be very, anything that's an antibiotic, um, Definitely. So if, it's, like yes. if it's prescribed, once it's reached that sort of expiration date, I would say go ahead and get rid of it. If it's antibiotic, you should not be keeping it. Just once the course That's is done, yep. get rid of it. Good to know. Good yeah. to know. I feel like you gave us some good tips. Okay. So I know you don't have any kids. No. <laughs> but I feel like you're kind of, like I mentioned before, the, the honorary mom. Do you feel like when you work with your kids every day, they're almost like your babies? You take oh, care yeah. of them like your Oh, heart. yeah. We take it very, like, yeah. when they come in, it's like you see them on the schedule and it's like, it's funny because certain kids that come in, everyone will go into the room we'll to see them. them. Even like... The docs that they're they'll just see them on the schedule and the doc will be done with their patient. They're coming in, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, and we know when mm-hmm. I tell you we know some of these families, like, we gotta come in and check on the house. Wait, how is the house doing? Because we have families that live really far. We've had families that were caught in the recent fires or floods. Mm-hmm. So we gotta mm-hmm. check and make sure they're okay. Have you ever had any deaths? I had one recently. Recently? Yeah. Oh my god. It was it was a kiddo that I had been working with since I had first started there. And I mean, he had been in a lot of pain when we first in, like met him and we I worked really hard. He did a lot of procedures, a lot of surgeries that the mom was very reluctant to get, mm-hmm. but she finally went through with it and he was doing well and he had recovered well. And we're just like, oh, this is great. And then we get this email one day that he passed away in his sleep. Mm. And it was just like out of nowhere, you know, like you had, we had just seen the kid like six months prior and we're mm. like, oh yeah, we'll see you in, you know, in another six months, he's doing great. And then you get mm. this email and I remember the doc is the one that actually showed me the email and we had to just take them. We both had yes. to kind of take a moment because it's like, it hits you hard. Like when, it, if it's an adult, it's a little bit different, but if it's a kid, it's just like, it hits you. Yeah. It's is haunting. Like, and it's in the middle of like a clinic day. It was like a busy clinic day at that. So it's like, you can't just stop and regroup. You have to like kind of get yourself cause you have to go into this room and make sure that this family doesn't know that you're in like this pain. Yeah. So that was, yeah. And that was fairly recently that that happened. You're in a rough profession, but I feel like the most passionate people are in these professions. I will tell you 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I love doctors, but I feel like the nurses do so much work. I've had all different kinds of surgeries and been in the hospital for different kinds of things and as well as my daughter and everything. And I just feel like I don't know what I would do if I didn't have those nurses. It is like a thankless I I don't know how to how to ever thank the nurses. They are just the best people. I've never run into like a bitchy ass nurse. No, and, and I'm sure no, they have what happens, them, right? what happens is that before we go into the room, we're like, okay, because you know, you we talk and stuff like that. So we'll, we, I might go to my office and like just you know just yell and scream, do whatever. But once I go into that exam room, I'm gonna be professional. Yeah. I'm gonna take care of that patient and whatever my personal feelings yeah. I have about that person, that stays at the door. You know, I like my job is to take care of them. I've always wanted to hug them, take them home with me. Like, <laughs> it, for, for, as, for, as, for as much as I care, like, I don't even have to see the doctor. Like, I want you to do it all. It's, it's like, so I want to say, like, thank you on behalf of, like, myself and everybody else that the nurses just play a huge part in our lives and, yeah. and, does, and does so much for us. And I don't know if you ever hear thank you enough or if you ever feel recognized enough for your work, but it's like, you know that... It's, it's one of those things where you don't know how much you're needed until you're needed, you know? Right, and right, it's kinda right. And kind of like, what would we do without the yeah. nurses, you know? I think before I worked um, in pediatric care, when I worked in adult care, I always felt like with adults, it's a little bit different. Like they sort of like, especially with the population I work with, it was more of like, give me what I want or else. Whereas with kids, like they just, they come in and they're just so happy. And, yeah. you know, I have kids that just come up and they just give you the biggest yeah. hugs yeah. or, you know, like around Christmas time, they, they make a picture for you. They so do you something the day better for right. them. And it's yeah. just, for me, it's like, that's a reward enough. If mm-hmm. I can make a kid just laugh before they leave, or you find that, that perfect toy for them and you walk in the room and you give them this Barbie that they've been wanting yeah. forever and oh, they just Lord. light up, oh. that just makes your day. And you're just like, all right, I don't care what else happens. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, you love your job? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I, what what can you not like about yeah. it? Agreed. Like, Agreed. Yeah. Like, what is, you know, like, yes, there's some moments where you're like, okay, I got to do this paperwork or I got to, yeah. you know, do this meeting. But it's like you don't dread getting up out of bed no. and, and not going to work. No, yes. not at all. Like, yes. I look forward to it. I'm like, oh. And that's what I would want anybody in the health profession to, to say, right? Like, because I'm, I'm your next patient. Right, like, right. This job. <laughs> you're like, oh, Lord, here we go again. Get this money. No, no. Like, I love going to work. And it was funny when I first started like down the road of healthcare, I knew I wanted to work at the hospital I was working at because my younger brother actually has sickle cell. So we were always do you sickle cell people too. Um, we do in very little ways. Okay. Like very, I think we have like maybe three or four okay. and they have and other do you deficits. Do like autism and, and stuff like that? We do like on the autism okay. spectrum for, because we get a lot of toe walkers who are, oh, tell good. me what's that? So toe walking is when you walk on your tippy toes and a lot of autistic kids do it. It could be a sensory thing because they don't mm-hmm. want to like, they don't like the texture or not the texture, but the feel of the floor could be too cold. Okay. okay. And then sometimes it becomes, um, a habit to where they, they don't know how to walk they right don't know away. how to put their feet down so then we have to treat Re- them with like, like yeah that. so we'll do braces we'll do casting we do injections into the calf muscles to like okay. relax that muscle some so we do see autistic kids quite a okay. bit okay wow yeah 
interesting. Good. Yeah. So your passion comes with you, you know, oh, seeing your yeah. little brother. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like when I, so when my younger brother was little, we were always at that hospital. Like we were just constantly there. And every time we would go there, not only would the nurses take care of him, but they were also make sure that I was okay mm-hmm. because he was, he's younger than I am. So then I would, our routine would be when he was in the hospital, my parents would pick me up and we would just go to the hospital right after school and, you know, like at that time, your parents are so focused on the sick kid that they forget about the yes. healthy kid. So the nurses would come up and they would make sure that I had something to eat, that I had games to play. Like they How would, awesome is that? Like yeah. you grew up in this facility, seeing it, being in it right. with your brother. And you're like, I want to work there. Yeah. Like me, as soon as I was like, I want to first I want to be a doctor. And I was like, I got to be a pediatrician. Yeah. And then it was like, I don't want to do the doctor thing. I'm going to do a nurse. And I always wanted to. I and always so wanted like to work twofold, there. Now yeah. You're there. And so now that I'm there, I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I'm going to leave here kicking and screaming. Like, you can't make me leave. Like, and there's so many different departments. There's Mm -hmm. so many different things that you can do. So I'm always trying to help out other departments Mm -hmm. or just help out other nurses because it's like, we're all in this together. Okay, so let's wrap it up. If you didn't have this profession, what would you do? Ooh, wait a minute. What would you do? It would have to do something. It would be so with medical, kids. It would probably, it would do it. I would do something with kids. I feel like I would, I would love to do... And I think they have this now, but a program where you get kids out, like camping more. Okay. You get kids hiking, maybe taking them up to experiences that they wouldn't yeah. normally get living in a city environment, living like in an that. urban like environment. Community, community yeah. work. Yeah. Because I know so I didn't start camping until I was an adult. You know, I don't know nothing about camping. That's a whole <laughs> other topic. <laughs> Right, or just like taking yeah. kids up to like Tahoe and yeah. having them to experience it's what it's like to be yeah. in the snow and what it's like to go in the summertime. I wonder if there's something like that that you can do now, like partner with some kind of after school or some kind of. Well, like- there is a there's a program where they do. I think it's hiking for kids. I can't remember what the name is, but I did a little bit of research and I think I actually donate to them once mm-hmm. a year. Um, and they take kids out on like a weekend camping trip. I love that. Yeah, so I would I would love to do something like that. Okay, so. What do you do for self-care? I like to ask my single kidless friends, what do you do for self-care? Because it's almost like I am going back down memory lane of what my life used to be like. <laughs> like oh, I remember doing yeah. that. But because you work so hard, right? right. And you're doing like you have an intensive job. What do you do to kind of come home and release from that? So my biggest thing is I love hiking. Mm-hmm. That is my therapy. So I try and go on a hike at least once a month. And I try and do at least maybe like two to three hour long hikes because I just get away from the city mm-hmm. noise. And you get to kind of like, you know, just think about some things without all of the noise of being inside of a house. I also try and meditate mm-hmm. um, as often as I can. I don't do it like I used to. I used to try and do it every morning. But I try at least like once a week, like maybe on a Saturday or Sunday morning, get up and just recenter myself again and make sure that, okay, what is it that I need to do this mm-hmm. upcoming week? What was this previous week like? How can I improve on that? And then I love to read. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly yep. reading, always have a book in my hand. Yep. You know, I'm like, what's the next one I'm going to, you know, so I try and do that. And then if all else fails, a little bit of TV never yes. hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you're like my resident. I feel like you're like my, sometimes I say you're like, Monica's my mountain woman. <laughs> like you are the most outdoor, you and Susan are like the most outdoor women that I have ever met in my life. You would just pick up and go. Yeah. Outdoor, outdoors for you is like being indoors. And, yes. and it's not like, not like outdoors, like 
you actually can't by yourself. Yes. Like you actually oh, yes. do all these things. And you're like, you're like vampire apocalypse ready. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I tell, I, oh, yeah. I tell my coworkers at work, like I have a friend who knows how to make a campfire by herself <laughs> with nothing. She can rub sticks and she can wait, make a wait. campfire. <laughs> People go to run into the house. They said you can make fire. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> But that's how, like, I feel like that's how envious I am. You could, you know me. You could imagine me getting left in the wilderness. I know. I'm going to starve or get eaten. I that's, already know. Because you're going to give yourself away immediately. I'm, because I'm going to cry. Because right. I'm helpless. <laughs> I don't know how to start a fire for shit. I don't. First off, I'm going to freeze to death. We yes, all know that I'm going to freeze cold. to death outside. Yes. I don't. I have zero survivor skills. Zero. I need to get some survival. I don't even know how to change a flat tire. I don't even know oh, how to no. change my toilet seat. I need, <laughs> oh, no, I need to figure some. out how to be a better woman and survival skills because I just don't have... Like, I look at you and I'm like, damn, Monica could do all this shit by herself. I can't build a bookshelf. I can't <laughs> do shit. You know what? I just... It was live and learn. Number one, I'm the only girl out of five brothers. I'm still saying... And I mean, I don't have brothers, but it's still living... Like, I'm more of a live and learn. I'll pay somebody to do that. Oh, no. See, me growing up, my parents we're not paying anybody for nothing see like i can't imagine changing a flat tire see so when i got my first car one of the things my dad made me do before i could actually like have the car was change the flat tire check my oil i can i can change the oil but i'm not getting underneath the car to change it and that's my thing with the flat tire like i probably don't even have the strength to unscrew the screws (laughs) i don't even have the strength how am I going to pick up a tire? Like, how am I going to get it out the car to put it on the car? Oh, no. I just cannot. You can, do, if you need to do it, you can do See, it. See, that's the thing. I think, I, I think for 2019, I need to learn how you to change You need to change your mindset around yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I always have that mindset of, I can't do it. And that's not And see thing. me, and I'm the opposite. Thing. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to keep trying to do it until someone either stops me and says, okay, let me help. Or I figure it out. I need to do this. This needs to be my goal for 2019. Yes. Change a tire. <laughs> I'll, I'll help you. I got, believe me, I've changed. That's the one thing my dad made. He had to change a tire. So I've changed tires on both of my cars. On my The Jeep is actually easier. You would think the Jeep is harder, but the Jeep if is actually easier. If my car easier. broke down anywhere, I would be the oh shit Oh no. Type. And I'm like, if my car broke down, I'm like, okay, we got to fix this. We got it. Because remember, I'm going places where if my car breaks down, there's no, I've gotten stuck with no phone service. I would shit myself. <laughs> I would... I probably have a heart attack, so I would I would be found the next day. <laughs> no, like, I'm like I, all right, let me see. How can I yeah. get down off this mountain, or how can I get out of this situation? And I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah, no, no. See, we got no. we got to work on this. See, because like I even see you was like eating berries off the tree trying to survive, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you're just like I don't know what this is. I'm, I'm not hungry. gonna do it. No. I'm cold. There's too many YouTube channels for you not to know how to do this. I can Baby, see steps. <laughs> Baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Monica, for yes. being a guest on the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here. It's been fun. It's always yes, fun. I know. I know. <laughs> thanks for giving us some great tips. And thanks for tuning in to the Mothering Via Healthcare episode. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>